0: This is the Locked On Auburn podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Now, I met the folks uh, at Fetch Me the other day. They came on my morning show on News Talk WA and I, Auburn Opalica, this morning. Good folks. They've got a real passion for helping Auburn students because the guy who started it. Um, he, he kind of had that vision when he got this thing going. He was in school and kind of delivering in between classes. So if you're a student listing and you kind of want an easy, flexible part-time gig, they are an awesome company to work for. And also, if you're hungry or want anything delivered to you, if you just got home from a long day and you want your dry cleaning picked up or your groceries picked up, or, of course, your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, be sure to visit the folks at Fetch Me. I cannot recommend them enough. Their service is second to none. Go to their website at FetchMeDelivery.com or use promo code, or, or, and you can use f- promo code FETCHME20, FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. Also, an outstanding app, just search FetchMe or FetchMe Auburn, FetchMe Obelica, it should all come up, and use promo code FetchMe20, FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. All right, today's show, I'm solo again, so we're going to do uh, some more Locked On Auburn voicemail questions. A lot of feedback yesterday in regards to what's the issue. Is it Gus Malzahn? Is it the scheme? Is it the execution? And I think there's a lot, been a lot of good conversation on Twitter, a lot of good uh, voicemails that we're about to touch on. And, uh, yeah, so let's jump into that. You can call the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail machine. Once again, I said this yesterday, I need your help this week because my boy Michael is out of town. So, 205 502 Eight, five. All right, let's start off with the classic. Hey, guys. <laughs> and let's roll into it. Hey, Zach. Love the show. Have a question. Is
1: Gus Malzahn a good recruiter of quarterbacks? Hmm. Not taking anything away from Bo Nix. Bo Nix, I think, will come into his own. Okay. difference between an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. You compare your – as Auburn fans, comparing against Tua or Jalen Hurts, but. Also, so is is Gus Malzahn a good recruiter of quarterbacks? I think that um, I think that O'Nix will come into his own as he as he gets older, but and not take anything away from the kid. I think he is a, a competitor, but is he a good recruiter of quarterbacks? Thanks for thanks for listening.
0: I right, said so, yeah, appreciate the call. The, really, really appreciate that. Good question. So. One, I I think Malzahn's a good recruiter from top to bottom. I I, I don't think you really have to look at any position outside of offensive line. I mean, his offensive line recruitment process over the past two or three years has been pretty bad, and that's kind of why Auburn's in this situation, and they're starting a bunch of older guys, and next year there's a question mark at four of the five positions. I think center is is tied up with Brahms, but as far as him recruiting quarterbacks, I mean, Joey Gatewood was a sought-after guy. Everybody wanted Jarrett Stidham. You know, not a lot of folks wanted Nick Marshall, but a lot of folks wanted Jeremy Johnson. Sean White was, uh, you know, an, an Elite 11 guy. And Bo Nix was one of the, the most decorated high school quarterbacks in the country a year ago. So uh, I think so. I think he is a good recruiter of quarterbacks. And he's got guys coming up that, uh, that are four star guys that I think want to play, or a lot of programs want guys like them to play for their program on Saturdays and lead their offenses. I think Zanzi not only is he a good recruiter, I think he's a great recruiter at quarterback because he's been able to identify the guys that he wants and he's been able to go after them and get them. And you look at the guys that he's lost out on. Like he was in the running for Kellen Mond back when you know, he was at IMG. Then he moved back home to Texas for his senior year. And obviously he picked Texas A&M over Auburn. And you know he had a Auburn stuff in his like, pictures on Twitter for forever and then he changed them. And then uh, I'm trying to think, Justin Fields, I don't know if Auburn was ever really legitimately in that after Justin Fields decommitted from Penn State, then went to Georgia, then he wasn't, they weren't in the conversation when he was transferring, but I guess maybe Auburn was in Justin Fields' top three, maybe top five, I I read several different reports, but it never really felt like he was legitimately in the race for that, so it seems like when he gets the quarterbacks that he wants on campus, they commit. You know, so I, I do think he's a good quarterback recruiter. The other part of that that you talked about regarding Bo Nix, I think the Bo Nix situation is, is fascinating because one thing I want to make sure that people understand about Bo Nix, and, and, and I'm not big on the he's a true freshman thing. I mean, if you win the job in a Power 5 program like Auburn, I don't think you get that excuse. It's either you play well or you don't. And so looking ahead, there's one thing that I believe that Bo Nix does better than anybody else is he forgets. And what I mean by that is he'll have a terrible outing or a terrible drive or a terrible play, and he still has that swagger. You can tell on his face he's still determined. He's still a gamer. He's still going to play his butt off for his guys blocking up front and his guys making, making plays. And he's not a guy that's looking to blame other people. He, he he has that accountability. He takes advantage of it, and so you know, is there a difference between a freshman and then you know a junior? You know, and, and I, I know you mentioned the voicemail, eighteen and twenty-two. I don't think he's going to be playing at Auburn when he's at twenty-two because I think he's going to take a pretty big step, regardless of what happens in the coaching position. So that's uh, that's that's an interesting question, and an interesting observation, and I appreciate your call.
2: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Looking ahead to uh, another voicemail. Let's see, who do we got next? Uh, Oh, we got Warden.
1: Hey guys, it's Warden. I tried to leave a voicemail a minute ago, but something came up. So if you would, if you decide to play it, play this We're just
0: using this one, man. Uh,
1: First off, like I said before, which people would be hearing for the first time, Uh, please give thoughts and prayers to the family. And the families over there from the drive. A lot yeah. of us that listen to this, listen to the lunch break and the drive as well, and right. a lot of us are as heartbroken and devastated as I'm sure that a lot of you guys are. So yeah. there's that. Uh, I try to shorten the rest of it up. I think the issue is scheme, not coach. I think Gus Mazon has done an, an immeasurable amount of good for Auburn, both on and off the field. And I think that firing him would be a slap in the face of – would be the biggest slap in the face you could possibly give someone that essentially has brought your program to national relevance in a lot of ways. Yeah, he averages five losses a year since for the last, well, since 2015. But he's guaranteed Mm -hmm. us a bowl. He's guaranteed us that our players aren't going to be in and out of Lee County Jail. I haven't heard a Tiger Walk being equated to the, or the Tiger Walk being the traveling of our team from the Lee County Jail to Jordan-Hare Stadium and, probably three or four years now. I think what he needs to do is he needs to go find him someone that runs an offense similar to him with a more a quarterback-friendly passing scheme and just turn the offense completely over to them. He doesn't want to do that, and he's going to have to swallow his pride and do that because I've got friends that are Bama fans that aren't afraid to admit that if he could have done that a long time ago and, molded the offense kind of like what Saban's done up there or what Coach Dillard's done down in Baton Rouge. If he would do that with the players that we've had since he's been here, we could have won two national championships and competed a lot more closely with Alabama and now Georgia and LSU. So, if he could go get him a Chad Morris or a quote-unquote Joe Brady to come in and take a look at the offense and not overhaul everything and just make it a more quarterback-friendly passing scheme, especially the way that Bo looks like he's more comfortable in passing for 30-plus times a game. Even in games that we're winning, I think that we'll have a lot of success, and Auburn could definitely take that next step. But anyway, War Eagle guys, hope you guys are doing well, and podcast is still fantastic.
0: Thank you so much, Warden. Uh, appreciate the call and appreciate all your feedback on Twitter as well, I think you've shot us a few emails, um, as well. So thank you for that, Warden. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the passing of Chuck Furlow. He's uh, he's been on this show before. It's been a while, but he's been on this show before. And, and like you said, folks, listen to this. Also listen to the drive and the lunch break. He was actually supposed to um, he was supposed to host with Painter on the lunch break yesterday. Um, before we um, obviously we found out that so that that's why I was on the lunch break with Painter yesterday. And you know, Bill Cameron did a did a great job remembering Chuck on the drive yesterday and it's just um it's a sad time around here there's no doubt about it in the no doubt about it in the in the studio i'm recording in behind me there are pictures of uh on the wall of all of uh, all of our talent and his picture's still up there it's it's tough so th- thank you for mentioning that warden thank you uh yeah so you talk about how malzahn has done a lot for the program i don't think there's any doubt about it you mentioned the five losses a season you know, if you, if you factor in bowl games into that average, it changes it a little bit, and it just kind of depends on if you win or not, if fans that year care about the, the bowl game. Because a lot of times, it's like, who cares about the Birmingham Bowl? Who cares about the Chick-fil-A Bowl, you know, against UCF? Because Auburn just missed the playoffs. Who cares about the Outback Bowl against Wisconsin? Folks that say that don't seem to care until they lose, so I think that's worth noting there as far as you know, averaging five losses a year. Yeah, he, I think a lot of Auburn folks appreciate the type of flair that he's brought in. Uh, I, I like that you mentioned that. Um, as far as him taking a step back on offense, I don't disagree with you. But I, I just, can he do it? I don't think he can. And, you know, I don't know if it's a pride thing. But my question is, then, what's his value if he does step back? You know, the quote-unquote offensive genius who has a team that has one of the best defenses in the country and an offense that that can't move the football, you know, against an average or a slightly above-average defense. And that's an issue. And so then if if your offensive genius brings in a guy like a Chad Morris—I would love that hire, by the way— but if he brings a guy in like that and says, Okay, Chad, you have full autonomy, you have full control of the offense— I wonder how folks would respond to that. I think there'd be some people that are all for it. Hey, good on Gus. But I think there'd be some people that'd be like, "Well, what's his value?" And to those people asking that question, I think the argument is he has hired outstanding people. I mean, his support staff, the assistant coaches. I mean, they um, they're solid. They are solid players, and I don't think there are solid coaches. Excuse me. Uh, I, I don't think there's um, there's any doubt about that and then looking ahead uh let's see we've got one more voicemail and it did this this is the best i could get out of it so if this was you please call back i'd really like to hear what you have to say because i I think it sounds interesting but all i could get out of it was um you think auburn's going to win the iron Bowl?" and something about tua Uh, i I just want to play it so you know that i'm not ignoring your voicemail
1: I think
0: Auburn is going to dominate against Alabama. Dominate against
1: Alabama. For two reasons. One. Two reasons. Indiana, two, two, Tiger, Iowa, I is hear bad. two. Uh,
0: yeah, so that's all I got. So please uh, call back and uh, try that again. I'd really appreciate to hear, hear that take because I think folks would love to hear other folks explain why Auburn is going to dominate Alabama. That'd be fun. <laughs> if you're listening to this show, you would definitely, definitely enjoy it if. If, uh, if, if, if that happened. I mean, because the closest version we've seen of Auburn dominating Alabama in my lifetime that I can remember, my conscious memory, was two years ago. And Auburn only won by 12, despite you know, Jarrett Stidham fumbling in the red zone. The, uh, I think Auburn could have won by more scores than that. Um, but that's really the closest thing that we've seen to that. All right, so you can email the show at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. Chris did. Um, let's see. So Chris says, so people just assume that the Iron Bowl is an easy win based on Bama's defense and Tua being out. I think Shane called into the lunch break and said essentially that Gus should win that game. And if he doesn't, he just doesn't know what we should do. Yes. Shane did say that yesterday. I remember that. Have these people forgotten that Bama's receivers haven't been injured and are 100%? I'd feel better about the game if they were the ones out with 100% Tua in the game, if I'm being honest. I'm hoping Auburn comes out and goes full, quote, YOLO ball, what I refer to our two-minute offense we sometimes shift into. Win or lose, Gus has to show something positive against Alabama, or I'm concerned that he's forced out or put out in a more more impossible, if that's even a possibility, but higher-ups or forced out altogether, which I think hurts the program more than anything. Keep on killing it on the show and War Eagle. Thank you, Chris, and thank you for listening, and thank you for your question. It's an interesting dynamic with Tua not being in the game because the bottom line is it makes this game more winnable, and you know, we can debate if it's better for Alabama to have Tua or their three incredible future NFL receivers. I think it all goes back to the quarterback. I mean, they've had talented receivers in the past. They haven't had three this talented at the same time. But is a special player. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything da- uh, about it. And the reason this is such a big deal nationally is because I think the NFL was expecting him to be the first player selected in the NFL draft this year. So I think Tua going down is a big deal. But I, I get your point as far as, you know, if you had Tua without those receivers, it, it would do a lot of damage for sure. Um, but... This is an interesting situation because with Tua not playing and you get him at home, there is so much pressure on Gus Malzahn to win this Iron Bowl. I think you could argue there is more pressure on this Iron Bowl than any Iron Bowl that Gus Malzahn has had since being at Auburn. Because, I mean, even 2013 when Auburn probably had its statistical best chance to win, maybe 2017, but... I mean, you you look at 2013 and 2017, in my opinion, I think Auburn was able to play so well because one, they were at home, and two, they were kind of playing with house money. I mean, in 2013, you know, we thought we were all happy with the Ricardo situation, and we had no idea what was going to happen that night. And then in 2017, most Auburn fans had already thrown in the towel because of that loss to LSU, and then Malzahn comes out to his press conference following that game and says, that's going to be all right. It's not that big of a deal. It's going to be all right. It's all going to work out. And then he wins and wins and wins, beats Georgia. And then you look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, he's got a chance to get to Alabama. Wouldn't it be great if he pulled this out? So I think the pressure here is, uh, is at an all-time high for Gus Malzahn, despite playing a team that is in a vulnerable state and more beatable than it has been in previous years. I mean, think about it. If you can name an Iron Bowl that has more pressure on it, since Malzahn has been a head coach... Because I think 2010 had a ton of pressure. You're on the road, you're in Bryant Denny, and especially at halftime when you're down by so much when he was an offensive coordinator. Sure, but as a head coach, as a head coach during his time at Auburn, I can't think of a time where there has been more pressure on Gus Malzahn. And you know, as I'm kind of doing this rant, I can't think of more pressure on any game. Can you think of one? Let me know. Call into the show. Email us at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com or give us a call, 205-502-4285. I mean, this Iron Bowl coming up, and and part of me wants to say that I hate that we're skipping over Sanford here, but it's the Iron Bowl. It deserves deserves two weeks of coverage. I'm having a hard time thinking of a game that has more pressure on it than this Iron Bowl coming up. I mean, we're talking about if Malzahn gets ran out, I mean, on the scoreboard, he could be ran out of a job. And that changes the trajectory of this program for forever, good or bad. It just kind of depends on what happens. But it's going to be fascinating to see. It's going to be fascinating to follow. Malzahn spoke with the media yesterday and really said a whole lot of nothing. He did say that um, you got to score more points than your opponent to win. (laughs) That's something worth holding on to. And he also said the new goal for the season was to win 10 games. So beat Sanford, beat Alabama, and then win your bowl game. Which is weird that he had to say it, but... It's probably a good thing that he said it just because I think everything, um, everything that people say or speculate with Gus Malzahn is, I think a lot of it's unfair. Some of it's justified, but I think a decent amount of it's unfair, but we'll see. You know, and if they go 10-3 and with a bowl win and a win over Alabama, I think if the start of the year, if you would have said that, I think you would have taken it. And especially when you look at the college football playoff rankings last night, They are ready to put Alabama in. They want to put Alabama in. Because if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC Championship game, Georgia's out and Alabama's in. Now, I think an interesting scenario happens if if Georgia beats LSU, is LSU still in because they beat Alabama head-to-head? Time of loss is important, but what's more important? Losing late? Or, you know, if it's a toss-up between LSU and Alabama and Oregon, it'll be interesting to see which one, um, which one comes in at number four. But it'll be fun to see. I'm about, uh, about wrapped up, but Painter, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, Malzahn? Uh, Malzahn made the statement, you know, the new goal yesterday for the rest of the season is for Robert to go 10-3 and winning a bowl game. You mentioned on the lunch break that we uh, on the show yesterday that you thought it was pretty, uh, pretty important that he made that statement.
2: You know, people will go back and forth about its relevance. You pointed out, hey, shouldn't that have been the implied goal anyway at right. this point? Like, if you're not going to win your conference, at least you, should, you try to get the double digits. It's something, double-digit win, something Auburn hadn't had a lot of success doing since the 80s. Uh, they'll they'll do it occasionally, but not back-to-back double-win season, double-digit win season. So I think it's good uh, for a number of reasons. I think in, in terms of PR, you're trying to set a defined and attainable goal 10 wins is both a difficult goal to get to every year, as Auburn can attest to, as it rarely yeah, gets there. Right. The other part of that is that if you're Coach Gus Malazan, you're saying, look, I acknowledge that we didn't get to the SEC championship, which essentially eliminates us from the playoff, which are going to be your major goals every year. Yeah. But now here's something we can do. We can beat two top 10 teams in one year. We can finish in the top 15, maybe even the top 10 with a bowl win, like I sure. mentions, and then you get to that elusive double-digit win season. I think it's a good move. It's something saying, look, this is our goal. This is what we're pursuing. And also, it's not been done a lot.
0: And then the the element of you get to mess up your arch-rivals season. Because the the committee has been instructed to not let injuries affect where you're ranked in the college football playoff ranking. So Alabama coming in just outside of the top four. And my thing is, I think against LSU and Georgia, I think LSU wins that game, so that forces Georgia out, and I think they're ready to slide Alabama up to number 4.
2: It's possible. Look, my thing is, with I'm not even thinking about it so much as the playoffs, although that's the bigger part of the conversation. Sure. If there were an important Auburn player injured in this game, the national narrative, the narrative coming out of the Paul Feinbaum show, would not be, Oh, Auburn, what a bummer their quarterback or their running back. When Carrion Johnson was injured in the Georgia game, people didn't really care in right. twenty seventeen Nash. So look, their Alabama fans are doing this thing where they're downplaying the game, they're conceding at a loss. That way if they lose if they lose They'll say, yeah, well, we didn't have our star quarterback, so, I mean, what can you expect, really, man? And then if they win, they'll go, ha, we're so much better than you, even without our best player. Sure. No, you're right. I so mean, it's, they're it's, trying to put themselves in a win-win situation. It's BS, is what it is, because you can't have a team—it's it, not BS in that they have probably one of the three, maybe one of the two most talented players in college football on their team, and he's not going to play. So it's like, yeah, that sucks. That's a big advantage for Auburn. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Get over it. Carry yeah. on Johnson wasn't healthy. All, no one cared. You're right. It's part of the game. Like I, he's been hurt now for two straight seasons. They recruit better than just about anyone in the country. You could argue maybe Georgia, Ohio State, whatever. Look, do you think it's an Alabama
0: thing, or do you think it's a? Uh, I know you mentioned carry on Johnson. There's there, there's some similarities there. There's some things that that, that aren't comparable. But I, I get the point that you're making. But. How much of it has to do with the fact that Tua may have been the number one pick in the draft?
2: Well, it's a little different than Carry On in that his value is so great. Like, yeah. Carry On was a good player, but he was a second round running back, still, and, the, still the SEC offensive player of the year. And worth, yeah. So not trying to downplay this, sure, because like you get the, the debate going back and forth about how much Auburn needs a run game. Right. It's like when they had they didn't have a running quarterback in 2017, but they had a really good running back, and that was one of the best offenses Gus Malzahn's had, but. Yeah, the quarterback position has taken on an entire new life over the last 10 or 15 years. It is so important for a number of reasons. And on top of Tua just being a phenomenal player that could have been the first person taken in the next draft, he's also a good leader Mm -hmm. and like a guy you want out there, and he's got a lot of experience now. So I'm not downplaying the fact that they lost one of the three best players in college football. What I am saying is not my problem. Is Alabama fans saying, well, we don't have our best player," so... You know, we could, yeah. we could never win this game. It's like you guys bang your chest all season about how you out recruit everyone. And it's generally true. Sure. If that's the case, your four star, whatever Mac Jones was coming in, ought to be able to game manage just fine. Yeah. Like if Kyle Trask could do it, save me. Mac Jones can figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's got better receivers than anybody to throw to in the country right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Follow Painter on Twitter at PinkCharpless. You can listen to him every day. There's been a few questions referencing calls from the lunch break. Um, so you can hear all of that fresh and live on the lunch break. He and Justin Ferguson do a great job on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. You guys also podcast it. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for chiming in for a second, bud. I appreciate yes, it.
2: Sorry to slide in late. No, light.
0: you're good, man. You're good. We all got stuff to do. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow. Be sure to tune in. Follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. This has been the Locked On Auburn Podcast.